With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and... Go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Well, Ian, we have a special Mile High Report Radio uh, episode here. Uh, Lucky again to be joined by Tampa Bay Trey, uh, Trevor Sikama of the Draft Network. You can uh, find him at Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter. Uh, He's he's good for all kinds of information, and we are ecstatic to have you on again. This is like we had you on like a month ago now, so uh, bring you back right before the draft and, and dive into some things. So welcome. Yeah, man. All I'm saying is that if I'm on this podcast one more time, I better be getting some royalties for if you guys are making anything off of this pod. I've I just been on so many yeah. times. No, I'll send you a check for five cents. That's probably about <laughs> what it's worth. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's always good talking football with you. Absolutely. So let's just dive right in. Um, you know, when Ian and I were talking before the show and we were looking at the number of picks that the Broncos have, mm-hmm. and obviously 15th pick, there's there's a number of things that they can do, but one of the things that struck me, and, and I think I'm, I want to start here because it sort of it hit me sort of sideways. They've got, if, if I count this correctly here, and don't don't quote me on it because that's math, five picks in the top 100, six in the top 120. That feels like a lot to me. Yeah, I mean, they've got a good amount of capital, no doubt about it. What do they have? I think uh, first is second and three thirds, right? Three-thirds, and then yep. they've Two got fourths. quite a few picks. Yeah, quite a few picks in the 
day three range as well. So they've got a lot of ammunition and that's important for a team like Denver because they have a couple of different needs, but they really need some impact guys, you know, whether it's offensive tackle, whether it might even be linebacker corner or wide receiver, those are probably the big positions that a lot of people would say Broncos really need to hit on. You could trade off for those. I mean, if you let's, let's just go down the offensive tackle way. If they want an offensive tackle, they're going to want to get one of the top four guys, right? I mean, if you want Tristan Wurst, Mekhi Becton, Andrew Thomas, or Jedrick Wills, you got to get into the top 10. I mean, you can't say the 15 and, and wait for one of those guys to fall to you. Now, if you build your board away to you say, okay, maybe offensive tackle, we'd be okay if we don't pick one in the first round. That's a little bit of a different story. But if that's their primary thing that they want to upgrade in this draft, they've probably got to move up they have the capital to do it. And I think number 15 is a good pick because it's right in the middle. Obviously, it's a team that is probably looking to get the back half of that top 10. They're not moving too far down. They're staying in the top 15 right at number 15. And so I think that's a good uh, a, a good pin for them to be a potential trade-up team, whether it's for a wide receiver. Maybe wide receiver one, they get their pick of whoever they would want there or potentially an offensive tackle. And so... Yeah, I think that having a lot of picks, no doubt about it, especially in this draft with this climate, you got a lot of GMs who are drafted from their homes, not in their normal spots, right? This could yield, I don't want to say uncommon or something like that, but there could be some GMs who just think, you know, with everybody at home, with everybody off of what their normal regimen is for a draft, I might be able to steal some good picks off of these people because they might be out of their zone or just not ready for it or something like that. So who knows? The Broncos could be a team, but it all starts with having the capital in order to get into the conversation with those third round picks. I think that they definitely do. So let's see what you think they will do, because over the last week, we've heard that they could potentially move up for an offensive tackle. They could move up for a receiver. They could move down. They could they could stay put at number 15. What is it that you think that Elway, Matt Russell and Vic Fangio eventually do with their first round pick? Denver, it seems to me like a team that's jonesing to move up. And when I look at the end of the top 10, I see the Carolina Panthers at number seven, the Arizona Cardinals at number eight, and the Cleveland Browns at number 10. Those are all teams that, depending on who is on the board, they could be looking to move back. And it might not take a lot. And so, depending on what they would want, I'm mainly looking at this through a lens of offensive tackle and wide receiver because that's what I've heard the most be connected with Denver. If they want a linebacker, say like they would really want a Patrick Queen, they could probably stay at 15 and get it. You know, like that, if that's the move that they want to make, they could be able to do that. But if they want to get, let's say a wide receiver, if they want to get the wide receiver that they want, you look at who's in front of them. You got San Francisco and you've got Oakland. Oakland loves CD Lamb. And I know San Francisco would love Jerry Judy. So roll the dice, maybe say, okay, maybe the Jets aren't going to take a wide receiver. Maybe nobody's going to trade up for Henry Ruggs. But again, that's a little risky to me. You might be able to pop up from 15 to 10. It might not cost you a lot. And you could instead have your pick of any of those three wide receivers you might want to compliment Coral and Sutton. That sounds a lot better to me than sitting back at 15 and letting the draft come back to you. The same I touched on originally with offensive tackle. If you want one of those four impact guys, you've got to be able to move up to one of those spots. And if you look at the teams that are in front of them, say from an offensive line lens, the Jets, I think, are really honing in on an offensive tackle. I know people talk about them potentially going wide receiver. 
I think they're going offensive tackle at 11 and then Tampa at 14. If any of those top four guys gets to Tampa at 14, they're taking them. I'm just letting you guys know. So you can't sit back at 15 and let the draft come to you. If you want either of those positions, corners a little different. You could probably sit back and let it come to you. Like I said before, linebacker, you could probably afford to do that, but those are probably the less impact positions from everything that I've heard going on in Denver. So if they want to move up, if they want those to be their priorities, that's kind of the path I see to them doing that. There you go. So, okay. So Debian said, what would you do? I'm going to, I'm going to, you're the GM now. I'm going to, I'm going to put you in the, in the spotlight there. If, if, if all things considered everything equal, what would you do for Denver at this point? Yeah, I would say that, you know, I heard an interesting, uh, I was talking with Cecil Lamy who covers, covers the Broncos as well. And he was talking to me about, how Pat Shermer runs his offense. And he said that he did some digging on the wide receiver twos in a normal Pat Shermer offense. And he said that the wide receiver one gets a lot of attention. No matter where he's been, it's always kind of run through the wide receiver one. I think they have that wide receiver one in Corlin Sutton. So then I think we all talk about, oh, they need another receiver and they need another weapon. I would agree that that would be nice for them. But he said the wide receiver two in a Pat Shermer offense really doesn't get a lot of emphasis. Now, that's not to say that a guy like Henry Ruggs couldn't open things up with his speed, right? Or a guy like Jerry Judy couldn't be a reliable separating stud who could get open for Drew Locke and almost be that security blanket kind of guy. But the emphasis and the return on investment just might not be as high as what people are just kind of – I don't want to say blatantly or vanilla or without context, but you got to know who the offense coordinator – you got to know the offense that they're going into. So that makes me think that the highest impact for the Broncos would probably be if they could find a good trade partner to go up and get an offensive tackle. That's what I think. So if I could wheel and deal my way to get to the back end of the top 10 and it wouldn't cost me too much, that would be my primary way to go about it. I'd be picking one of the top offensive tackles for Denver in a trade up. But if not, wide receiver would probably be my next option. Then Patrick Queen at number 15, I think, would be the next one for me. If they are able to get that offensive tackle, let's say that's the route they go, what Mm -hmm. would you then do with Garrett Bowles? I'd probably be moving him, I guess, to the flip side. I mean, I'd try him him out at right tackle just because I think that he's a tackle there, but he, he might be more of a phone booth guy anyway. So I think that he can play in the league. It's just that he's been... He's been penalized so much by playing on that left side. You've just got to move him to a different spot and help him help him out a little bit more. I just think when you're talking about left tackle guys, you've got to be able to put them out on an island. Like you've got to be able to shift protection away from them and say, okay, even if you might be going up against the team's best pass rusher, we need you to live off of that for at least a couple of reps a game. You need to be able to do that and not yield penalties, be able to hold your own. Even if Bulls might not be able to do that, I still think that he's got a lot of talent. I think at the very least, he's a starting five player somewhere for you, whether it is on the interior or maybe you're flipping him over to right and making a couple of different adjustments there. So that would probably be my plan there if that's the way I was going. So if if I'm reading your uh, sort of where you're going with this, it sounds to me like your view of the Denver Broncos is that they're they're probably more uh, I don't know more inclined to to go offensive line just because you think that's what they need more than any other position at this point is that is that a fair assessment to make of what you're saying there so the way that i look at these things with the draft is i'm not always as big on attacking the biggest current need drafts are always they always come in kind of 
succession with one another. So you have to look at your your team and say, okay, even if wide receiver, like say like, I, I think probably a wide receiver too, or even a linebacker is more of like a glaring need right now. What might help your team biggest or most overall kind of in the long term? And I think that an offensive line pick would just because I think the invest, the correct investments on the offensive line always yield such positive results. And so if you're shaky in that area at all, like if you think that you're going to make an offensive line upgrade at some point over the next two years and you have the chance to do it now, that's the route I would go because man, good wide receivers come out every year. I, I, this class is so deep, you might be able to get a good wide receiver later in the draft. And then even if you don't, 2021's got some studs. And I don't like to, I don't like to emphasize too much on draft classes that aren't here yet, but that's the nature of it. If you can go up and get an offensive tackle and you, you know you're going to need an upgrade probably at offensive tackle, Go make it. Do what you need to do to upgrade the trenches. I think that that's probably the way that I would think about it. You mentioned inside linebacker. And those who have listened to this podcast know there's one guy in particular, Adam and I, want more than anybody because he is a chess piece. He's like a queen on a chessboard for Vic Fangio where he could put him anywhere in this defense and he'd be able to make a difference. And that's Isaiah Simmons. If he somehow gets to eight and the Arizona Cardinals, I don't know if he gets past Carolina at seven, mm-hmm. but if he's at six, if you're Elway and Fangio, knowing what you do about defense and, and Isaiah Simmons, do you make that move up? And I know draft Knicks are going to say you never trade up for an inside linebacker, <laughs> but what, what would you do in a situation if Isaiah Simmons is potentially there at six and could be there at seven because the Panthers will take him to probably replace Luke Keekley. Right. Um, it, again, it kind of depends what the price is, but that's another player who I could see them being interested in the Panthers. Yes, they could absolutely use Simmons and I could logic my way into a Simmons pick for the Panthers, but I don't know what the Panthers are going to do. Nobody knows what the Panthers are going to do. A lot of their moves this off season have been crazy. They've been, um, they've been further than business decisions. They've been brutal. Sometimes the additions that they've had and and more importantly, the subtraction say of Cam Newton and of Greg Olson. And then some of the ways and the guys that they brought on the team, I don't know what they're going to do. And so I don't even know if the Panthers would take Isaiah Simmons. I think it makes sense for them, but if the Broncos are, it's kind of a similar situation to offensive line. If the price makes sense for them to move up, there aren't a ton of defensive coaches in which I would say, yes, these guys are going to get the most out of what Isaiah Simmons is able to do. Fangio is one of them. Fangio is one of the guys who I would safely bet on getting the most out of what Isaiah Simmons does. And so I would say that an offensive tackle pick and shoot, I guess you're right. If Simmons ends up sliding, that could be a potential big time return on investment. If you, if you go up and draft him, because you probably don't have to give up that much. I know it's Isaiah Simmons, but at the same time, it's a linebacker, right? I mean, you're not trading up for a quarterback. So I think that they might be able to move up to a range to get Simmons without giving too much capital. And if that's the case, I'd say to pull the trigger. That would be a smart move to me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I want that so badly. I yeah. <laughs> I've talked myself into Isaiah Simmons. I, I just knowing what he could do in terms of because the one thing the Broncos defense hasn't been able to do since like Al Wilson is cover tight ends. 
And mm-hmm. I am sick to death of seeing Travis Kelsey eat against the Broncos offense. And Isaiah Simmons is one of those guys I think who could cover and stick with Travis Kelsey just because of how much of a freak he is. Yeah, he definitely can. He's he's a true you said it best. He's a chess piece, right? I mean, I even think that you'd probably ideally want to play him almost like as a will. So you would be able to use him as a big slot defender in certain cases. Like you wouldn't necessarily want to pick Isaiah Simmons and play him at Mike. Cause you don't want him just glued to the center of the defense, allow him to roam, allow him to play sometimes weak side, sometimes as a slot defender, sometimes as an overhang, maybe as a safety. I think Fangio would, would absolutely see what Kem- what Simmons would be capable of and put him in the right spots. Okay, so I think we're all in agreement there. We love Isaiah Simmons. Like I, That'd I'll, be a good pick, yeah. I, I'll tell you, he's my, I think he's the best player in the draft, personally, and I know that I'm not... Ditto. I, it, he's, I just think he's the best. And I know somebody's going to yell at me, Chase Young, and somebody's going to say, I, I, don't, I don't care. Isaiah Simmons is the best player in the draft. That being said, I think uh-huh. I think we're all sort of in the same boat of, that's probably a pipe dream, right? That's I, I, I don't think that that's something that's really going to happen or really in the realm of possibilities. So I'm not too worried about it. And I don't like it when people get my hopes up either. Don't, <laughs> don't rule anything out with Dave Gettleman. That's true. <laughs> Dave Gettleman will, I think Dave Gettleman will pass on him because I think that's how dumb he is. Uh, but if you look past the first round and you look, you look at what the Broncos have moving forward uh, into, into day two and, and sort of what their options are. Uh, I'm curious because one of the things that pops into my head a lot with this is how close are the Denver Broncos to competing, right? A lot of the picks that you make are about how close you are. And if you feel like you're a wide receiver away, maybe you go get him. It sounds to me like maybe that's not your uh, your take on the Denver Broncos at this time. And if it's not, then what do they do day two? What do they do day three? You know, that kind of thing, round two, round three, to to get another step closer. Yeah, I think that they've got a solid team. I don't think they're quite there yet, and I think the big reason why I don't think they're quite there yet is because they played a rookie quarterback who had um, – it's it's not dumb luck. Dumb luck's not the word, but there is something to rookies coming in and defenses not really knowing what to expect and seeing kind of like almost like rookie luck, if you will. I think Drew Locke's got a hell of an arm. Obviously, he's talented. He played better than any of the quarterbacks that, that Denver had out there last year, and so you like that part, but – I think he's going to struggle in his sophomore year. I really do. You know, we're going to see we're going to see that kind of sophomore. Teams are going to have some film on him. They're going to see what his tendencies are, and before he even gets to learn about himself, he's got to learn the hard way. That often happens with even some of the best quarterbacks, and so I think that's naturally going to happen with Locke. And so I wouldn't say that next year is a competing year for Denver. I think they'll they won't be embarrassing. Like they're they're going to be a competitive team. But when I say compete, I mean for big time playoff spots and even deep playoff runs, things like that. Earliest, I think is probably two years away, maybe even three years away from what last year was. And so with that in mind, you're kind of stacking up draft classes at that point. And that's goes back to what I talked about before, where you don't have to address just like the biggest need that they have in the immediate. If you know that you're probably about two draft classes away from really getting your team together to compete for what you want in a, in a deep playoff run. So for Denver, I still think the corners obviously a need for them. And then depending on what they go at the top, offensive tackle might get a little, little tricky. If you're not drafting an offensive tackle with the first or second pick that they have in this draft, you're probably not drafting an impact guy at all. But in terms of say like corners, there's plenty of guys that they might be able to pick up on later in the draft. I mean, Amik Robertson's a big one for me. I like him as a potential slot player um, or even an outside guy. I mean, he's so scrappy. If He's about 5'8", 5'9". 
if he was even two inches taller, we'd probably be talking about this guy as a top 50 pick, but he'll probably end up going somewhere in the second or third rounds because of his size. You've got guys like Darnay Holmes and Cam Dantzler, Jalen Johnson, Bryce Hall, names that I could all see Denver keeping an eye on as we get into the later parts of day two even. And then wide receiver. I mentioned the guys at the top that could really help him, but I also said that, hey, you know, if Corlin Sutton's a guy, you don't know how big the return on investment is going to be for that wide receiver two spot. So maybe you wait a little bit on that. Maybe take a chance on a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones. Who knows how far Michael Pittman Jr. is going to fall. Maybe you go for a route-running stud like Van Jefferson, right? I mean, there's all these kinds of guys that you could take in the mid-rounds. And so that's why I would say it might be smarter to prioritize offensive line, if nothing else, but because the good offensive linemen go quickly even if it's not their most pressing need, if you will, because you can afford to get some of these skilled position players, both at corner and at wide receiver late in the draft. Those are just a handful of names that they might be able to target. If you're going linebacker, maybe Malik Harrison, Willie Gay Jr. I know is a popular name after he absolutely blew up the combine. And so there's options later in day two for a lot of what Denver needs. But offensive line gets tricky, like I said, after that first and second round. And so you might have to prioritize what you do based off of that as well. Let's say they go receiver. One thing in the first round, whether they trade up or stay pat, stand pat at number 15, one thing I thought they could do is attack the interior part of the offensive line in the second round, maybe potentially even trading back up into the, the end of the first round. Mm-hmm. What What kind of guys would be there, do you think, whether it's the second round or late in the first round that they should potentially go after. Cause there's obviously Cesar Ruiz and Lloyd Cushenberry are two of the popular names mm-hmm. thrown around. If they're not there, what could they potentially do if they look at interior offensive line, if they do go receiver? Yeah, there's a the hand, first? there's a handful of good guys. I think Jonah Jackson's the first one that pops out. He's the interior offensive lineman from Ohio state. He's got some really nice tape, Robert hunt from Louisiana. He's a guy who I think is a plug and play player for most teams in the NFL. I think Denver could potentially be one of them. And then Matt Hennessy is another dude that I know a lot of people are pretty high on as a, as an early contributor along the interior offensive line. And so I think that all three of those guys, really all five, if you include Lloyd Cushenberry and Cesar Ruiz are players to be had in the top 50 that could make sense for Denver, whether they are sitting there at, at 46 or whether, like you said there, they potentially move up. If they wait a little bit longer than that, Damian Lewis is a guy I like. I, I really like Nick Harris. He's scrappy. He's just small. He's going to lose the length battle a lot. Uh, and you kind of saw that a little bit at the Senior Bowl. Damian Lewis, as I mentioned from LSU, he's the guy who is running next to Lloyd Cushenberry. He's more of a mauler type, but boy, he anchors really well. He's tough to stop there. And if you want a wild card, a guy who's I describe as just you know a, a spit and vinegar kind of guy is Logan Sternberg, the interior offensive lineman from Kentucky. He'll run his mouth, he'll hit you in the mouth, and he'll let you know about it. I mean, he's not as talented as some of these other interior offensive linemen, but if you're looking for one in the mid-rounds, third, fourth, fifth round, probably on the latter half of that, he could be a guy that you'd be interested in too. Are there, are there specific players that you think uh, Denver should be targeting in the later rounds? So when you we talk about the number of picks that they have, they, they've got three third-round picks, they've got two fourth-round picks, uh, they've got a fifth-round pick and a sixth-round pick. Uh, and then three seventh. I don't know what you do with three seventh round picks. I, I guess just flip a coin. But <laughs> when you get that far into it, but but is are there are there specific guys that if you were sitting in the room, you would you would sort of be focusing on as maybe not guys that are going to come in and be impact right away, but but could be uh, a part of the franchise and help and help things out. Like you said, in two or three years, which is where where you're sort of projecting them becoming more competitive. 
Yeah, I suppose you could invest in some, maybe the higher end, like boomer bust offensive linemen, both on the interior, the tackles. I'm trying to think of some guys that might be good for Denver there. I mean, for I mean, if we're talking about cornerbacks because they've got Bouye and they've got Callahan. Are those guys going to be their outside starters for sure? I think you guys might know more than me. Yeah, I think uh, I think for sure Bouye and then and probably Callahan. But the the question mark with Callahan is he hasn't played football in a year. And, right, you know, right. So he's is he even healthy at this point? Is I think is the big concern. Does he there. even have a foot? Yes, yeah, right. He so still have a foot. So I mean, I think I mentioned Amik Robertson. I mentioned him before. Jalen Johnson, I think, is another guy that Fangio would like because he'd allow him to get aggressive. You'd probably need to pick him probably in the third round. I think later than that, Troy Pride Jr. might be really interesting for Denver given the corner situation that's there. Harrison Hand from Tampa from Temple, I think could be a potential late round option that makes sense to him. And then if we're flipping sides, if we're going to wide receiver, man, it just all depends what they want to do with their wide receiver too. Do they want him to be more of a two way go player in the slot or do they want him to be another outside kind of a guy? I mean, you could draft a guy like Colin Johnson or chase Claypool, right? I mean, these big wide receivers on the outside and you could almost create this forest of giant tree-like wide receivers on the outside with these big catch radiuses for Drew Locke to throw to, or you could go to a guy like Isaiah Hodgins or, or Devin Duvernay or, or KJ Hill or somebody like that who might be a better slot player in the upgrade to, to attack the middles of the field. And so it all kind of just depends what they would want. It depends. It's, it's tough for me to say Denver specific guys, just because I think that Locke is even growing into his own even more so than we saw last year because last year, even for the little bit that he played, he's basically just doing things off instinct at that point. He's trying to do what he knows best, what he's used to the most, and we don't even know how much of that he's going to continue to do in the NFL. I think this year is really going to be the telltale sign of where you get, okay, these are the guys that are going to make luck the best kind of a quarterback or it's this kind of an offense or this kind of passing attack that makes the most sense and so those are a handful of guys that are do a little bit different things on both sides of the ball that I think could help them but it's tough to know exactly on offense what it's going because you don't know exactly what Drew Locke's going to prefer once he gets used to that NFL speed so I just real quick to kind of follow up there I will tell you the name that gets kicked around a lot at least within our circle is Henry Ruggs because of how fast he is. Right. Uh, a guy who can take the top off of a defense. And then that opens things up underneath as well. Is there a name that, that fits that same style that isn't Henry Ruggs the third that would, that would be further down the list. I mean, I know when you run like Henry Ruggs runs and we mm-hmm. talked about Ruggs when we had you on before and, and you seem to be a pretty big fan of him. If he's not yeah. there or if Denver just chooses not to draft him because they go offensive tackle or something like that. Is mm-hmm. there, is there a guy or two guys that would somewhat do what he can like you know I don't want to sort of put that on them and say well they're just like Henry Ruggs but but similar to what he could do at least speed wise KJ Hamler from Penn State is the guy Uh, if if KJ ran at the combine we'd all be talking about him I'll just let you know like we'd all be talking about it he ran a 4-3 I think flat he said when he was when he was training and a lot of guys fudge their numbers. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I hit a 4-4 in training, or and he just runs a 4-6 or something. Like, it's not even close. Pop on KJ Handler's film, and you will see just how fast he is before the ball is even snapped because you will see how far the defensive back is lined up opposite him because he knows that if any point 
AJ Hamler gets even with you and he's going vertical, you can keep up with him. And I think he is such an explosive player in his cuts and in his vertical speed. I mean, look, Sean Wade's going to be a first-round corner next year from Ohio State. Okay, Sean Wade was the second-best corner on Ohio State this year. One could argue that at times he was even better than Jeffrey Akuda. He played in the slot for him, and he was matched up against K.J. Hamler in that Penn State game, and Hamler took him 93 yards to the house on a slant pass because I, Sean Wade had absolutely no chance on him. And that's what the kind of speed that we're talking about here. So Hamler is not rugs because Hamler needs a lot of work with his hands. Like, he needs... He just needs to get down the fact that, hey, you're a wide receiver and your job is to receive the football. You need to do that more reliably. But if you talk about him getting to a spot and burning some defensive backs, this is your guy. One of the things that I think the Broncos need to start looking at, and it's one thing that Elway has said that you can never have enough of, and I think it's true for any NFL team, but it, it's edge rushers. With Von Miller getting older and and Bradley Chubb coming off an ACL tear for the same knee that he had in college, what are some of the guys in the mid-rounds that could potentially be not someone to step in and be a starter like Bradley Chubb or Von Miller, mm-hmm. but could bring some depth and potentially grow into that role, You know, learning from Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and even Malik Reed, who was um, – a standout at times in the 2019 season. Yeah, it, it kind of all depends on what you're looking for in terms of what round you want to draft some of these guys in. I think Darrell Taylor from Tennessee is a guy that has a lot of upside. I was pretty high on him going into the year. Didn't exactly have the year that I thought he would, but got a lot of athletic ability, and I think he could really attack the edge pretty well. Khalid Kareem from Notre Dame is a pretty experienced and a seasoned guy. I think he knows what he's doing. He pass rushes with a plan, which is not something that happens for everybody. Bradley and I is a kind of a polarizing guy because you, you see people who look at the flashes of him and think like, oh, like he could definitely keep up. But I don't think he'll ever have the athleticism to be in a starting role in the NFL. But I think he could be a good rotational player that could, like you said, that really help the depth of uh, of a defensive line. And then I, I guess the last guy that I'll name, I got to give a shout out to uh, Jabari Zuniga, uh, Florida guy. I went to Florida, so I've watched every single Florida game that that he has been a part of him. Man, he's 6'3", 265. He is so explosive for his. So explosive. And his weight-adjusted athletic scores from his combine numbers, I think, really prove that. Now, he needs help with snap anticipation and rush counter moves. He just doesn't really have them right now. But when he blasts off the ball and he times it correctly, he has got the strength. He's got rare bend for a guy that big, and he can move uh, north and south and getting into the backfield. So those are a couple of guys that I'd probably take a chance on in the mid-rounds to give you some depth and maybe even some spot starter ability. Okay, so you're getting to the end of the draft here, and you're kind of wrapping things up. And like I said, Denver's got three picks in the seventh round. Are there, what, what do you do with those picks? What do you as a, as, cause I, I know that we can talk about their needs. We can talk about specific names all we want, but at a certain point you get, I, I do feel like you get to a point in the draft and you go, okay, now what? And that three picks in the seventh round. Okay. Now what? Yeah. In, in the seventh round, it's all about rounding out your roster with, I don't want to say special teams guys, because then that makes it sound like they're like worthless, but like they're not. And I think that that's my whole point here is that's what I'm trying to say. The sixth and seventh round guys, you're going for high character guys. You're going for versatile players. You're going guys who have a just like love the game of football, who are going to be punt gunners for you, punt blockers, um, 
play kick return, play punt return, be able to fill in at a certain spot on the defensive side. You're basically going for specialists at that point. You got to go for guys that are going to round out your roster that you like having there that are dependable players um, that can really just bring you some players, right? Basically. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of people love to, and as a product of the Madden generation, I am guilty of this plenty where I just look at the sixth and seventh round. I just go, Oh, let's just draft the, you know, the, sketchy character dudes who have the highest ceiling who haven't played football in two years and he'll, they'll suddenly get it all together in the NFL. That's me doing that from the couch, having no consequence with it. But in reality, the best way to do it is to get you some skill players, get guys that can fill out your special teams. Well, because this is a third phase of the game where even though it doesn't mean as much as maybe it used to with special teams, it still means a lot. You're winning field position battles. You're, having guys that won't allow everybody else on the roster to take reps off. You're you're getting good guys on your team and it truly becomes a, a caterpillar thing where championship football teams, I don't want to say are as only good as their weakest link because that's not true. If you got a bunch of studs playing at the top, they could probably make up for it, but you need to have a top down team. And I think that that's what the late rounds of the draft are all about. You can use undrafted free agents as maybe that time to, take a chance on a player who might have who might not have been able to play their last year school whether it's from injury or character or whatever but when it comes to those last couple of rounds solidify some guys that you think will, will really round out your roster all right so we've gone through the broncos draft when roger goodell makes the pick from his basement which was my idea by the way i said was. that on the <laughs> podcast and then two weeks later he announced it so i i'm glad he listens what will be the name that Roger Goodell announces for the Broncos, whether that's trading up to number eight with the Cardinals. And I've said for the last couple of weeks, I think that's the sweet spot for the Broncos and what they do in this draft, whether it's trading up to the Cardinals at eight, the Browns at 10, what do you think is going to be the name that's called for that first round pick? (sighs) This is a tough one. Denver is a tough one. I've done so many mock drafts where I just look at what Denver's possibilities are and they have a lot of good ones and that's that that's the problem right i mean if i could narrow it down to like one or two guys i could probably have no problem axing them off and saying like okay i'm cool with them taking this guy but as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast denver's got a lot of different options that they could go with but because i know that this is a fan favorite and i know it's in the realm of possibility and i think that elway it would put a smile on his face if he got this guy I will say that it's Henry Ruggs. I will say that when they make the announcement that it will be Henry Henry Ruggs going to the Denver Broncos. Okay. You just made Benjamin Albright very happy. (laughs) He has been pushing for this since like Christmas of 2018. Yeah. Hashtag orange and blur offense. If I have to hear him say that one more time, uh, I'll smile. I like it. It's good. All right. So we appreciate that. I got one more thing for you before we let you go, because uh, when we had you on last time, we we had a pretty good conversation about this. And mm-hmm. I want to know where you are, because I haven't seen a lot of tweets about it recently. Mm-hmm. Where are you on Game of Thrones? How are you feeling about it? Did you have to put it? Did you have to put it away for a little while because it became draft season? Or did you have you continued on and I've just missed the tweets because I, I no no you haven't missed the tweets I did have to shelve Game of Thrones a little bit just because I've been so busy with this draft season and people are telling me that stuff starts to get really real with this this season and I caught myself in season five so I'm at episode eight of season five okay. Hard Home is the episode that I am up to right now I have Ooh. not seen it yet I haven't seen it so that's where I'm at right now. 
And I Great episode, by the way. That's what everybody tells me. That's what everybody tells me. And that might be why I actually decided to pause it because there came a time in in the fifth season where I went, the second the episode ended, I went, next episode, next episode, next episode. Like, I'm just like hammering the button. And at that point, like if that happens a couple of times, all of a sudden I've been sitting on my couch for five hours. I don't have five hours during this part of draft season. I just don't. So I know myself and I'm trying to protect myself from this. So after the draft, probably probably a week after the draft, I'm going to start and I, I think I'm going to binge the crap out of it. I think I might be done with the whole show in like a week and a half after I start. So the tweets are coming, my friends. They really are. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure. I, I, I'm a, another follow-up here for you because I'm curious if you are like I am. And Ian knows where I'm going to go with this because I do this all the time. I get to the end of things. And then I don't watch the last episode or I don't listen to the last podcast or I don't like, uh, so I, I listen. I listened to this podcast, the West wing weekly, their podcast ended like six months ago, I think is where we're at now. And I just couldn't bring myself to listen to it because then it would be over. Do you, hmm. do you ever feel like that when you get to the end of something? Like are I... you sort of wishing that the draft doesn't happen? Cause you enjoy the draft <laughs> season so much. Uh, no, I absolutely want the draft to happen. Uh, I, I am so ready for this draft to happen. I'm ready to see what happens with, with the teams. I'm ready for the speculation to be over. Even though I absolutely love this job with all my heart, I am ready for this draft to happen. But in terms of the, uh, the shows, I'm very reminiscent of my favorite shows. I was like this with Scrubs. Uh, I was show. like this with How I Met Your Mother. Um. I, I'm I'm very reminiscent on certain shows, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that that makes me not want to watch the last episode. So I can't get fully in the boat with you, although I do understand the love for shows like that. Man, once it's so, over, it's over. It's so true. let's put a bow on this and and not just do the Broncos, but in terms of the Game of Thrones thing, is mm-hmm. there going to be a moment in the first 10, 15 picks? that will surprise people that will get Trevor Sikama watching the red wedding to get up and just walk away from his couch. You bringing up the red wedding just makes me want to just get (laughs) off the podcast right now. Uh, I wasn't ready. My true King of the North, Rob Stark. Um, There will be a moment. I have no idea what it's going to be because if I did, then I would also know next week's lottery numbers. Right. But this draft is going to get crazy guys. Something is multiple things are going to happen in this draft that are going to make us go. You've got to be kidding me. Somebody's going to trade up. Somebody's going to trade back. A player's going to go way higher than we thought. Oakland. The <laughs> remember it's Mike Mayock this time. Although yeah, he did the uh, clue and Farrell. Um, it's, it's something crazy is going to happen. It's probably going to happen multiple times because of the way that the draft is set up. How I was saying before, how GMs are so unfamiliar with with what's going on, and I really do think that it's going to be a crazy draft. Whatever happens, awesome. Well, Trevor, we definitely appreciate it again. Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter uh, of the Draft Network, you're awesome. We love having you on. And seriously, when you get done with Game of Thrones, you're coming on so we can talk about it. Listen, that's... I I am I am all about that. I appreciate you guys having me on. I always enjoy getting to talk uh, football and even some pop culture stuff with you guys. <laughs> all right, thank you. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.